You're listening to the Wheel of Time TV podcast with Jay Florence. Alright guys, so today we're going to talk about directors a little bit, um, and then we're also going to talk about intimacy in the Wheel of Time, and sex in general in the Wheel of Time, what it means in for the, the TV adaptation. Oh, in the Wheel of Time. Uh, you know, and our personal lives. <laughs> you know, what's going on with you? What's going on with you? Everyone's looking at Andrew. <laughs> uh, Nothing to disclose. Yeah. No one's looking at me. No one's like, how's your sex life going? <laughs> anyway, before we get into that, wanted to touch face on the Wheel of Time Wednesday announcement. Boop, boop, boop. So last week we were talking about the table read and speculating over who these people might be, these unidentified actors, what characters they could be. We had said that a fan identified Michael Michael Houghton. Michael Houghton? I have no idea how to say it. Michael Haddon. Michael Michael Haddon? I don't know. Michael Michael And it was revealed yesterday that he will be playing Tam Al Thor. Here's what Rafe had to say. My first instinct was to avoid using actors from Game of Thrones. But the truth is, Michael Michael Haddon was just too damn good. And if we're going to do it, we might as well take the man responsible for the Red Wedding and turn him into the father we all wish we had. Aww. Hashtag Wheel of Time. Mm. So, yeah, I had played a... A clip from Game of Thrones of Michael as Rhys Bolton for you guys. He was obviously a pretty bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Wedding refers to a pretty <laughs> iconic scene where he sets up the slaughter of an entire family during a wedding. <laughs> Bold. Yeah. Bold so this is pretty much flipping the script for him to play Tam Althor, beloved father of Rand Althor. What are your guys' initial reactions? I was surprised because for that reason that he was Roose Bolton and he seems like that. I don't know because I'm not that familiar with him, but he seems like the type of actor, character actor who probably gets cast as a villainous type a lot. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see. I was kind of disappointed he's not Jeff from Bornhall, which I think we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting to me is that I agree that he's the type of actor who probably gets cast in more villainous roles. But and in the same clip that you saw, that we that you showed mm-hmm. us rather, you're seeing him being with Bolton, but you're also seeing him being a father, right? And I don't think he was, was he a bad father? And he, yeah, you're right. He is a good he's father. He's a good to father Ramsey to Ramsey. Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. He, he champions him, even yeah. though he's a raging psychopath totally. and also a bastard. Now tell me, what is your name? Ramsey Snow. No, not Ramsey Snow. Open it. From this day until your last day, you are Ramsey Bolton, son of Roose Bolton, Warden of the North. Right. So I think yeah. that's that's the type of complexity that mm-hmm. I think is interesting, right? Like, so he's a bad person, but he's a good father. So I think that that we can see that translate um, yeah. to perhaps Tam, like obviously a different type of person, but mm-hmm. still a good father, you know. He's also a tremendous actor, so obviously I think it's well within his range. Totally. You know, it's yeah. it's what the writing gives him. So he yeah. can do it. If they're casting like A-listers or very well-known actors, they probably will be in more prominent roles because why would, you know, you be a villager in episode one and then you never see them again. So I'm kind of curious if that means we'll see more of Tam. Sure. Obviously we don't see much of him. We see him at the beginning of book one and then we don't really see him in book two. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Tam. 
Yeah, Except right. Except he fought off some Trollocs, and he's not Rand's real father. Right. And he was a swordsman in mm-hmm. the alien wars and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's all I really he know about him. He fought in the Aiel War. That's really all we know about him. Mm-hmm. So if they're bringing this caliber to the table, I wonder, is he just in the pilot, or are we going to get more time with Tam? Yeah, it makes me wonder if if we we stay with Evansfield in a way, mm-hmm. right? That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what kind of gives me hope about it, too, though, is another casting announcement this big makes me think that maybe there will be a Tom Marilyn. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that Have we ruled that out yet? I'm not ruling that out. I don't think that... I, okay. I think that people, of course, were itching to know, like, who the, who the, who the actors are playing the main characters. Um, and we know most of them, but we're, I guess we're still waiting for Tom. They're really still teasing for, it out. And I think that's fine. I don't mm-hmm. think that they... I think it's fun to have... Surprises. Mm-hmm. Of course, like the longer they wait, then the more they're susceptible to leaks, right? But I also don't think that they owe us anything, as far as that's concerned. Quite no. frankly, I don't think they have to tell us, you know. And I think that's okay. I think some people are getting upset that they haven't, and they're mm. kind of like changing their whole like they're speculating uh, too much off of them not telling us. And I think it's. I'm not saying that they haven't removed the characters, but I don't think that necessarily right. means that they have. Yeah, I mean, by withholding, it re- it opens up the door to more speculation. Yeah. And we find it fun. Some yeah. people find it miserable and like yeah. in agony. There was some speculation that the kind of lanky man of color that was sitting closer mm-hmm. um, on the right-hand side of the table, he's been identified as Johan, Johan <clears throat> Myers. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely an actor involved, and people strongly believe he's Pat on Fane. And then some people speculate that he is Tom. He honestly, his face, he could go either way. Go I could see way, him being like right. maniacal, or I could see him just... Being Tom, charming, yeah. like mm-hmm. charismatic, yeah. complex. Um, yeah, I could see it go either way. So yeah, he seems kind of young to be Tom to me, but maybe I didn't. Um, he's not. <clears throat> he's not too young, and I could see them not making Tom quite as old. I can maybe. see that too. Yeah, I could. See I that. mean, he he does look like he could have a pretty good mustache. That's Word. true. Yeah, I just want there to be a Tom. I'm less concerned about who it even is at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. I think there will be. In addition to that, there was another article that came out um, talking about some of the other people in the room, and they think they were your boyfriend, Abel Cawthon, Lauren. What, what, Abel? (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Abel. (laughs) Or Daphne's competition, rather. Natty Cawthon, and then Layla Ibarra. So there was a bit of speculation about Layla. In the books, we never meet parents' family. No. Um, we just meet the Luans. Yep. Um, so it would be interesting if we do get to meet his family. Did that not bother anyone change. else? Like, Yeah, it bothered me. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. like Because it bothered me too. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? And we can't like talk about anything sure. that happens later in the books, but yeah, you don't meet his family. Yeah. <laughs> it's very you weird. You meet the Luans. So Layla Ibarra, they were like, that maybe is a sister, but also some people speculated that it maybe he's married. Um, the parents married? Yeah. What? And they were like, maybe as a wife at the beginning. I think it's a little far-fetched. That's crazy. But they're, like, but they're like, maybe she gets killed on winter night and like Perrin just goes <laughs> oh down this path. That's like, a really very quickly. different parent. Yeah. Holy shit. The married parent? Like a yeah. married child? Yeah. Child bride? <laughs> awkward? Well, no, he's, he's like 20. If she gets killed up in winter, I would... I, I mean, I don't wish that on Perrin. I don't want that Perrin. I, I don't want like... He's going to be vengeful widower widower parent. (laughs) (laughs) 
Holy shit. I don't think anyone does. Yeah. And I, I think if they're correct that there is a Layla Ibar, it's probably a sister. Sure, yeah. Or something like giving Cousin? some family to yeah. identify with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's in fair. town. That makes sense, yeah. So in our production segment, I want to talk about directors. Um, we've been focusing on different department heads um, based on what they're releasing on IMDb, and we haven't talked about it yet. We do know it's Uta Brisowitz who has a pretty good reputation. We'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to step back and just talk about what a director does. Some people are less familiar with what the job actually entails, and it can be a little bit different between film and television. People say that movies are a director's medium and TV is a writer's medium. Ooh. And, I mean, while you can argue that that is changing and, you know, TV is kind of like competing with movies now and how like broad the scope and cinematic it can be. It's still a writer's medium because ultimately like, the showrunners are directing this over the course because they have the ultimate control right. for the path that the show will take. But the directors are responsible for bringing the writer's vision to life. Mm-hmm. Do you, What do you guys think a director does? I think a director is sort of like an organizer with a vision. That's what I think about them. Yeah. Not being super familiar, like, because they just have a lot of, I mean, in film at least, it's such a collaborative thing. Mm-hmm. So they have to make sure that every, the cast and the costumes and the set and everything is happening the way it should be, mm-hmm. but also it matches their vision of what they're trying to create. Because not every director is necessarily <clears throat> setting up, as far as I understand, I might be mm-hmm. wrong, it's necessarily setting up shots and stuff. Some of them are relying on really good cinematographers as well. It's more like they're just trying to bring their vision of what it should be to life and organizing all these other artists. Yeah, I think every director has, um, stylistically, the things that they focus on. Um, some, like Uta Brisowitz, who we'll talk about, has a cinematography background. Mm-hmm. Others are like very honed in on the performances, mm-hmm. um, and everyone has their sort of strengths. And the important part of a director is having the ability to trust and delegate to other people. So their job is basically bringing the vision to life, you know, working with the writers to understand it and having their own vision to execute it. But like execution is really where they come in. So they'll check in with all the other department heads to make sure, you know, if there's a special costume for this episode that it lines up with the vision um, and that technically, particularly the camera department reports to them. So they will work closely with the cinematographer. And I think the, the difference between each director is their relationship with the DP. You know, some are very much like taking the reins on the cinematography versus collaborating um some will dictate more some will collaborate or some will rely more on the expertise of the dp because they're focusing on these other aspects and that's why also they bring on different directors for different episodes so i know you guys colin has watched game of thrones you guys kill me with your (laughs) lack of game of thrones but it's a show where there's some episodes where it's very intimate scenes and the performance is the most important. And then there's ones with sweeping battles. And obviously you're going to have like a different director for that. So I kind of hope that the Wheel of Time will have a range of directors based on where the show is is going in Whether it's episode. being plot-driven or character-driven. Or- yeah. 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 Like if there is a horrific one, we've talked about, you know, wanting to tap in more to horror. Mm-hmm. So it could be a different director for that versus a very like emotional driven episode or something one thing that always bothered me about the harry potter movies i'll have to look up but um most of the harry potter movies were directed by this one guy Mm -hmm. and and 
you know, Brandon Sanderson has complained that those movies are like a scene by scene recreation. And the only good one was the one Alfonso Cuaron directed because he had mixed it up. But the director that they got, like, he's very good at recreating this like broad world and Mm -hmm. like setting everything in motion. But the actual like intimate scenes between the characters are so bad. Like, sometimes the dialogue is so cringy. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not a kid, but still, like, <laughs> it's a big movie franchise, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. make it good. So yeah. anyway, I, I don't think that will be a problem with the show at all. Yeah, I don't, th- I, I don't think yeah. that's an issue to worry about. Just based on the actors they're hiring, yeah. I, I feel really good. Like, Michael being announced just gave me more and more confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it requires it, right? It it gives mm-hmm. it, it indicates a certain level of care and and work that's going to be put into it. Well, so. I think that was kind of, yeah, from the get-go when they got Rosamund Pike. Yeah. I know, but I think we were speculating after Rosamund. I think, Andrew, you said, I'm surprised that there haven't been more Big recognizable names. names or that, you know, yeah. like Colin said, they're teasing it out. So maybe closer to the launch, people, there'll be more buzz, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, my God, Tom is this guy. Or maybe there won't be. Maybe it'll just be Michael <laughs> Rosamund. Yeah. But I assume as the world expands we'll see more recognizable talent in some of the iconic roles like Elida or Suan or something. Yeah. I'm glad that they cast unknowns for for the Eamons Fielders, but Me I was too. expecting kind of bigger stars for some of the other Well they didn't I mean parts. there are a lot of characters in the show mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I imagine they have to be thinking beyond just the pilot season. Yeah. Right? Or just, yeah. So there are tons of opportunities for people to and once they see like mm-hmm. the success of the show, which is inevitable um <laughs> yeah <laughs> then uh maybe then you know people will want to get on board you know so yeah. see what happens cool um so moving on to our director uda brisowitz have you guys heard of her before this yes. you had yeah how did you hear about her um be- i was a really big fan of altered carbon oh yeah we were like just talking about that big big fan mm-hmm. i haven't watched a tv show like that in a very long time where you really have to you really have to give that show your entire attention Mm -hmm. like you can't be on another screen you can't be cooking you have to like watch this show and i love i loved that and so i looked into that and then so i knew her from that and then when i got the list of the other things she worked on from you I think over the past week, I've been watching like the pilot episode of everything I could just oh, to kind awesome. of get a sense mm-hmm. of like what is mm-hmm. her style. Yeah. But yeah, I from Altered Carbon was how I first. For those listening, if you haven't uh, seen Altered Carbon, it's on Netflix. Ugh. It's a sci-fi series. I believe it's based on a graphic novel. Um, and it, it has a lot of intricate moving pieces. It is it's, a it's very lot to digest. Action packed. Yeah. Um, it's a it's thrilling. And it's like <laughs> watch. a it's a thick plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really well done, well directed. Okay, speaking of her previous work, she has worked on Westworld, who I am a huge fan of. Stranger Things, which I think most people at home have seen, which is awesome. Black Sails. Mm-hmm. I tried to watch that one time. You, you weren't into it? I felt like because you, you like Vikings and stuff, I was like, oh, yeah. that's a pirate one. It's I bet Andrew's one, right? watched yeah, it. I, yeah, it I was, watched the first season of Black Sails. It was okay. Yeah. 
Right. Nassau, Nassau Island. They're they're there a lot. Yeah, yeah. N- Nassau. Nassau. Yeah. <laughs> She's worked on the Deuce. Lots of fucking. Um, love, I bet they have the a deuce. lot of int- intimacy directors on the Deuce. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. Two action packed. Uh, Orange is the New Black. Jane the Virgin. So she's done some more comedy. Unreal, which is almost like a soap level mm-hmm. drama, but but like higher quality. It's it's good. And Weeds also hung. I didn't on I haven't, HBO. I haven't seen yeah, that. that one I, I just wasn't interested in the topic particularly. <laughs> no, Wait, I'm no. surprised. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched the movie. <laughs> Wait, what's it about? It's about a guy. In- <laughs> Could I mean? Is it, is it literally just about yeah. a well-endowed gentleman? Yeah, in Michigan. In yeah. Michigan. He's in, in Michigan. Gross Point. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in, in Gross Michigan. Point, and he uh, he has a big dick. Doesn't he become? Doesn't he like become an escort? Or he becomes or? a gigolo. Yeah. Um, gigolo yeah. Is this yeah. true of all men from Michigan? Yeah, actually, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing there. Uh, hence, hence why all my friends are from Michigan. <laughs> Oh, Jamie, your true colors are really showing. But I mean, that's a pretty uh, hefty body of work. Yeah, and diverse. Yeah, so she's, I mean, she's very well established and it is diverse. I think some of these like Westworld um, have a huge scope, obviously, and there is a mix of action, heavy drama and intimacy and lots of sex which is fun yeah it's a good sign and she's got a lot of fantasy and sci-fi experience which is cool yeah yeah sure it'll be good so i had mentioned that she was a cinematographer before she moved into focusing on on directing she also dp'd hung which we were just speaking of the wire and true blood mm-hmm. love true blood mm-hmm. has everyone here seen it yeah. i have seen that no? I watched the first it. couple of seasons and I liked them, but I didn't finish it. Even my mom watched it, Colin. <laughs> you are so behind the times. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I never watched it. Wait, what it what was the what was the super sexy vampire's name? Not Bill, the the all, tall Eric. All of them. Yeah. Eric. All of them. Is it Eric? Alex Skarsgård. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh my god, dude. He's so hot. He's still hot in big little lies, even though he's a bad guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you know what's weird? His brother is Bill Skarsgård, who mm-hmm. always plays a creep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's an it. He's it. He's, he's the. Yeah, he's uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. it. Yeah. Oh. And he was. Um, did you watch season two, Big Little Lies? So- he was the boyfriend. And he's also in the Stephen King show. Um, oh, I forget. Castle Rock. The Castle actor Rock. that's the star of Altered Carbon and Alexander Skarsgård went to high school together. Weird. Could you imagine? What's in the water? Just like Well, they're, they're both Swedish. Okay. Yeah. Swedish water. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, yeah. Those Nords are huge. Yeah. Huge. So as I mentioned, uh, they're going to have different directors. Typically, you don't have one director on a show because it's just impossible. Um, Depends on what the post process is, but a lot of times a director will do an episode and then they'll see through the the post-production. They'll supervise the edit Mm -hmm. so that it comes together. And then another director will be, you know, shooting the next episode while that's happening. And there might be two to three in a season. Some have a lot more. I wonder Um, how that feels... From, I don't know, just constantly having a changing director if people, other people on production like that, like... Like the performers? 
I mean, more than yeah. the performers. I mean, like the department heads. Yeah, the different department them. heads. Like if it's like sure. if it's annoying because well, it's like well, oh would, here's another new one, or I mean, if I it's think, like fun, refreshing, and exciting. I, I imagine it probably own. is yeah different for everyone. Yeah. Depends mm-hmm. on a the the designer who's working with them and mm-hmm. the director who that is and what what their style is. Yeah. But I also imagine that um, the showrunner would have a little more input input in the continuity of all of that, whereas the director might be more interested in something that's specific to that episode. Yeah. Yeah, it is that way. They're very like hand in hand in planning and the showrunner has to see oversee all the continuity. So the director will come in with a specific role. But I do think, you know, the first season's a challenge because you have to find like who is our sort of roster of directors and okay. you know, you're not gonna want every episode of a series to be a different director. Mm-hmm. You you get familiar with them, you know, if they work for the show and then you try to bring them back. And you can plan ahead, like in your next season, like Oh, we know we have this episode. We have to get Uda. Like she has to do this right, one. Right, right, right. When you have this battle, we have to get. When you, you know. watch the Game of Thrones and like you'll mm-hmm. watch an open like the opening credit and you'd see the director, would you be like, oh, this is a battle show. Oh, this is a sex show. Oh, this is a like. I mean, dragon G- show. Game of Thrones. Like, did you know, you know if, their roster after watching it for yes, so many seasons? Yes. Okay. And I mean, I that's they, cool. They obviously talk about the show after each episode airs, and so like they're pretty vocal about like, oh, we work with this guy for our battles um most episodes aren't just one battle but it might be like a couple shorter scenes and then the majority of the time spent on this elaborate battle scene so yeah i imagine right now uda's listed on only the first episode on imdb but in a few articles she's listed as being like on the first two the first two yeah. which could make sense i do think she's really good at that initial world building in mm-hmm. one episode like yeah like or having um, multiple plots, like Stranger Things, when it opens, like, episode one, mm-hmm. there's, like, five different plots, like... She's good at the pilot. But then in Altered... Yeah, Altered Carbon, it's, like, it's very slow. There's, like, a lot... There's a lot of flashback because there's, like, a lot of backstory that needs to be established to understand, like, that current character. Mm-hmm. So she really focuses on kind of, like, two main pop- plot lines, but both of them are, like, very world-building mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, she did. Which I think is important. It the is wheel important. of time for, especially to like get it like off the ground. And both episodes are super, super, super high stakes. Mm-hmm. She did another episode in Westworld called Kixia, Kixia, and it it's I don't want to say it's like a bottle episode, but there's there's always a lot going on in Westworld, and this one was it it was a moment to explain sort of this unique story like focus on this one story that okay. that helped link a bunch of plots that were going on and like set but it the was stage. a more contained yeah episode, and yeah. It, she did it she handled it very elegantly and it was like a stunning piece of television mm-hmm. so she definitely has chops and yeah. talent and a, and a vision mm-hmm. you mentioned pilots pilots are important for new so shows important because you know i, I can't re- obviously i watch a lot of television i'm a tv geek colin is not Colin likes movies more and books even more, <laughs> the most. And so a lot of times I'm trying to, I'm like, Colin, watch the show. <laughs> and if he watches the pilot and it sucks or it just doesn't hit the right notes, you're not going to go back to it. Yeah. And that's the case for a majority of television watchers, yeah. you know. There are going to be people, obviously, who are fans of Wheel of Time who will watch it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be just fantasy fans who are trying to fill a gap who might give it more of a chance. But for it to be successful, it needs to bring in that larger audience, and you really have to drive it home in the pilot that this is a world you want to be involved in. Yeah. Matt and I just started watching Watchmen, 
which when the first episode came out, reviews are super mixed. I don't know if you guys heard anything about it. And I was super defending it. Like, it's great. Just watch it. You really were. (laughs) I know. And Matt, our editor, was on the fence. And then it took sort of till episode three for them to really expand the world. And so it's hard. You have to, like, lay down all these threads. You know, you have to introduce people to all the characters, make you care about those characters and what happens to them. And their objectives. Yeah. Establish the world. In this case, you know, establish some sort of magic system if they're going to introduce it pretty early mm-hmm. um, and just give you a reason to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the overarching conflict? That's for- why I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the first, if the pilot, like, you don't get a POV from any of the Edmondsfielders because I, we don't really know what their objective is when they go on this quest. You're really gung-ho on everything being Maureen's point of view. No, I'm you not. Really I'm do. just like, yeah. but I mean, she has such a strong objective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know exactly what she's doing and why she's doing it. Or like, I don't know, even a murderall, like, they have a very strong mm-hmm. objective of like, m- murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> murder. <laughs> murderall. Well, do you know what I was, I was thinking? Because it's rumored that she's doing the first two episodes, but it's only listed as one on IMDb. What if it's a two episode pilot? Mm. Which is like a two hour pilot? pilot? Yeah, yeah that's that's, that's a pretty that's that's a lot to swallow. No. That sounds fantastic. Uh, that's because you love the wheel of time. I mean, I, I'm I th- totally for it, but I, I don't Colin know. Colin was about to say that I had a great Sorry. idea. <laughs> Sorry. No, I think it's a good idea, and I think it makes sense in terms of because this is such a large a large undertaking like it gives them the uh the opportunity to to introduce as much as they need to introduce right i mean you're basically it's basically a film right so yeah i, I didn't think about that but that's that's a good that's a good that's a good call i have a question about pilots though in general do you do you, we think they're as important as they used to be in now that you can just binge the entire season yes it depends on how the show's released game of thrones is yeah. released week by week i don't week. think that it's I don't know. I know it's Amazon, but I don't know if it's they're going to release the whole season. Yeah, don't Game of Thrones is, was released week by week. Well, HBO always does. Sure, but my point is that like they can do, they can release it however they want. I don't know that they necessarily. I have mean, to. I don't think Amazon is How done is any Ms. releases. How was Miss Maisel done? That was that was the whole thing. Was yeah, the whole thing. yeah the that was a drop. You're right, and so was Carnival Row yep. and Fleabag yeah. and the oh, Boys. Really? Oh shit. I don't I don't know any episodes on Amazon that they've done week by week. All right, so if they release the whole season, we're just going to sit here in my kitchen for one week <laughs> yep. recording episodes. We're going to have one 10-hour podcast about the whole season. Yeah. We're going to live stream us <laughs> watching it. We're just going to we're not going to do anything but watch it and podcast for you all. Yeah. Until we're desiccated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like binging things, but I don't want to binge The Wheel of Time. I want it to be teased out. I would, yeah. I would love for it to be teased out. I think that would that would be nice. I don't know if I have the self-control, if it was, like, dropped all at once, if I have the self-control to, like, not binge. Well, it's, it's going to – that would suck because um, – I feel like it almost certainly will be, given yeah. that's – it seems like that's Amazon's, Amazon's model. Format, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's their format, yeah. Fair enough. Or which – yeah, I mean, that's what Netflix does, too. So I think they're trying to compete with them. But it doesn't mean that it'll... It's true. I, I like the old school style of watching a show each week because mm. yeah. it gives me something to look forward to. Agreed. 
culturally everyone else doesn't know what's going to happen either. Right. So you can kind of... You can't be ahead of someone. Right. It's true. I mean, Twitter time is going to fucking explode if they drop all this shit. Yeah. We literally will have to stay up. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something about... (laughs) We have to now. (laughs) Okay. It's true. I mean, they drop Stranger Things that way on Netflix Mm -hmm. and it's a big deal. I can't imagine. I've I've heard that the Lord of the Rings show that Amazon's doing is going to be very long. Like I think right. there's like not. I think Wheel of Time is supposed to be ten episodes. Is it have rumored? They, have they they, there's no, been no confirmation. So. Just okay. rumors. Right. There's also a rumor that Lord of the Rings is going to be like sixteen to twenty, mm. which would be a lot. That's a to lot put out. I remember once. was it season two of Jessica Jones and they did like twenty five mm. episodes and I was like Jesus what? Christ. It was so many it was episodes. Way too long. It was so long. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, c- I stopped watching after like episode ten. I was like, I can't. I Didn't can't. Did those just get canceled? Yeah. yeah, but it had more to do with with uh, Disney. Oh. Uh, uh, their rights. Their rights were going to expire because Disney's doing their own streaming. Right. Right. So they had to end all the shows. I mean, a pilot still has to be engaging and draw you in. It's just, mm-hmm. I guess, I just think with binge, the rise of binge TV. It just has to do that a little bit. I mean, there's something to be said. I mean, my understanding is that there was a time at which pilots were used to sell the show, right? Yeah. To a certain degree. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's still a thing. It's it's only a thing for certain shows. Typically with a show of this magnitude, they don't do that style. They're They're going to order. Yeah, yeah, they're going to order the season. They do it a lot with comedy and cheaper shows that are like a sitcom because it's easy to test and just do a pilot and see if it sticks or not. Sure, sure. Um, I did want to talk about the Game of Thrones pilot uh, (laughs) because in thinking of the Wheel of Time, and you're right, if if the whole season's out, then people are less likely to judge it on the pilot and just watch it. Game of Thrones being on HBO is not that case. They um, shot the pilot, brand new series, sunk, had sunk a ton of money into it, and it was extremely problematic. Apparently, the, the pilot sucked, and they had to go back and rewrite it. And I think that's when they brought in D&D, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, and so they reshot the pilot. And so I was when I was researching pilots and stuff about directors, an article came up from before Game of Thrones was released, and it said, Game of Thrones pilot reshoot, doomed fantasy show. And it was, just went on about how, you know, it's all sorts of bad signs, like they're having to do reshoots, like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And the reality is, you know, if you're working with a network like HBO that wants to get it right, and they're not going to just put out whatever, like quality control is a serious thing for them. They're going to do whatever it takes. The same thing happened with Westworld. There were serious production delays. They had to go back and, I think, rewrite almost half the season to figure it out. And so there was a lot of negative sentiment, people being like, oh, this show's going to be a disaster. But shit happens in production. It's, yeah. it's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to stop and be like, all right, you know what? We fucked up. We have to fix this. So I don't feel that way about the Wheel of Time, but yeah. if anything were to happen, it's like it's work. Like people, it's work, it's, yeah, yeah, totally. People at work. That particular article is, is funny. I looked at it, and the writer of that article is the same guy who, for this particular website, wrote the the brief on um, Rosamund Pike being cast as. Marine. Oh, really? Yeah. Totally. So he still has a job. He's, t- he's like the VP of this company or something. <laughs> I can't believe that he didn't take that article down, that I could still find yeah, it's it still like, there, all yeah. these years later. The last line of the article is, is my favorite. It's not Nerdville. It's HBO. <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs>
Another thing where it came out, thinking about Game of Thrones recently, there was a interview with D&D, the writers of Game of Thrones, the Austin Film Festival, and there was a lot of fan backlash because it was revealed that they either didn't read the books at all or didn't care. <laughs> um, I feel like I also, I did also hear about that. Like and they, they, they were taking from like their characters. Yeah, they were like, we learned about the characters from the actors. Yes, where and did they, they hear they that? They basically said they didn't read the books. And then they all were, were also asked if they ever looked or looked at fan reactions or cared. And they said, no. Like, just blanket no. We never did. I don't know if I believe, I believe that. I, I'm sh- Well, I think DBY said he peaked, but Benioff was like, no. Anyway, I, I do think it's like a lesson in an adaptation, I, obviously, like, they didn't really understand the books. The books also weren't finished. Right. So I think that hurts it, whereas The Wheel of Time is finished. Time, Rafe yeah. is extremely well-versed in it. Yeah. And understands the entire arc of the story. So I think that's something in our favor. Totally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to go back and talk about Uta as the director. And you were mentioning that she is also known for cinematography, mm-hmm. which I think is, is important because it speaks to her style of perhaps... I don't know, it speaks to her style of directing, which is, I mean, I, I think it's interesting to have someone, as the director, you're responsible, A, for making sure everything's everything's working together, all the moving parts, mm-hmm. not just like what you see on screen, but all these things that are happening behind the camera, mm-hmm. but to have an eye on what is happening inside of that camera, as in like what we see as the audience, mm-hmm. that's the that's what the cinematographer does. They're the eye of the show, right? right? So like a thing can look a certain way, but it's only going to look a certain way through that lens, right? Through the physical lens. Um, so it's nice, to, I think, to have a, a director who understands that vision of composition and all that that goes into that image. Um, but I'm curious about what that means for kind of the the direction side of like directing the actors, like how, mm-hmm. like what her almost like bedside manner of the director is, you right. know, like in, in respect to the actors. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious about both. I think to your point, it is a strength that gives me confidence that the world will feel rich and, yeah. and like sweeping and, and not small or cheap or anything because mm-hmm. that comes from cinematography and not just the camera, but lighting is yeah. one of the most crucial elements totally. to the show. And you could just tell between what camera they use and the way it's lit if something feels real or cheap or premium or not. Mm-hmm. I remember everyone talking about that Game of Thrones episode in the final season, and I, I feel like it's all I heard about for a week. It's too dark. Oh, that the darkest night, the I longest night. Literally, yeah. have no idea. I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just remember hearing everyone talking about. Could you see anything? It was so dark. I was like, I, don't. I mean, okay, I could see. Um, there is compression when Do you it comes to television that, and it's hard. Yeah, I'm obviously like my mom complained about it, but it was fine. You did have to shut every light, yeah. close every curtain. No candles. No candles. No candles literally. Yeah. But that's also part of the experience. It was yeah. really fun to watch. Lauren and I were actually watching The King um, this weekend, which mm-hmm. just came out on Netflix with uh, Rob Pattinson and <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Who Lauren calls Timothy Charlemagne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an asshole. <laughs> and it's um, about a young King Henry V who's just uh, ascended to the throne. And uh, But the lighting is very uh, naturalistic because obviously they didn't have electricity. They didn't have, you know, I think even oil lamps, right? It was just 
like candles, <laughs> and, candles yeah. and and the way the architecture is too is not it doesn't let in a lot of light it's very moody so it was also very dark but it felt real sure you right. know if they had lit it more it would have felt not like, right. where artificial. is this light source yeah, coming from mm-hmm. yeah. um so i feel like we'll see some of that in amon's field on winter night but the world will probably feel pretty you know big but to the performances yeah i mean it's it's hard to say i feel like She's worked on some bigger shows, but shows like Orange is the New Black. I'm looking like the Deuce. The Weeds are usually pretty perform, like just very performance driven, mm-hmm. conversation driven. So I'm sure she could do it. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering what that looks like if we have one who's mm-hmm. who may be more focused on the other. Not that I right, you know, don't care about what it looks like. Yeah, I do. I have a feeling they picked her because she is well rounded and bringing all of this to sure. life for these like big yeah. shows. She's good at world building. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you can get support from other experts when it comes to like the Trolloc attack. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Like right, she's going right, to be right, consulting right, right. and making sure she has the right people supporting her if that's not particularly her thing. Sure. But as a cinematographer, she also has probably a stylistic vision for how she wants to capture the mm-hmm. intensity and like the feel of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like one thing we were watching The King mm-hmm. and also, uh, Game of Thrones has some really famous battles, like Battle of the Bastards, where the way violence and fighting is brought to life, especially the chaos of a battle. Um, the King was really, great. It's very cool in contemporary cinematography and, and directing. It's mm-hmm. not like it used to be. And it tries to capture more the like raw chaos and brutality. And it's not like glorifying it as much no. anymore. It's just really like when you're fighting someone with swords yeah Yeah, it's nuts and it's just it's insane insane. and i appreciate that about more contemporary film yeah and so and every director does it a little differently so it's really fun to see and i think there'll be plenty of opportunities for that in the wheel of time did you guys see that Camelot film, the last one, the fucking... No. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the guy, who's that guy who did like... Timothy Charlemagne. No, no, it was like the... Guy Ritchie, yes. Oh, oh, Guy Arthur. Ritchie. Arthur, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, yes, with Charlie Hunnam, directed oh, yeah. by Guy Ritchie, 2017. Yeah, that's Continue. It. Yeah, I kind of like that one. Right. I'm just wondering if you guys saw it. Oh, nope. <laughs> I think I saw it with my mom, and it you was liked good. It. Well, I was with my mom, you oh, know. Okay. All, right, all, right, all right. I was entertained by it, I would say. I was entertained. Yeah. I'm not going to go say, oh, man, I got to buy this movie so I can watch it whenever I want but all right, all right. Oh, Wait, no one does it anymore I'm still we already talked about special effects but I, I honestly think a lot of it's going to come down to special effects because there are very fantastical elements of this show mm-hmm. so like Trolloc the Trolloc attack everything can be right but if the Trolloc looks like a big dumbass cartoon <laughs> I'm going to be upset yeah. Yeah, it's true it's true they, um, it's fact. I actually do want to probably in the next episode briefly touch on uh, the director of photography and they hired an additional special effects person oh. was listed to the IMDb. Um, so I think in our next episode, we'll dig in more to that and revisit how the magic system will be brought to life yeah. and, and talk more about visuals, take like a deeper look at it, which will be fun. Wanted to continue our director discussion by uh, bringing in intimacy directors. So two credits were added to the IMDb, Yarrett Dor, definitely a Star Trek name, and Enrique Artuno. So they are intimacy directors. Have you guys heard of this before? No. I had not either. Wait, are both 
Are both intimacy directors, I'm just, based on name alone, are they both male? No, one's female and one's male. So Thank I, you. I believe that is intentional to help the, yep. the different actors. So the online definition of an intimacy director, sometimes called an intimacy coordinator, in theater, film, and television production, an intimacy coordinator is a staff member who ensures the well-being of actors who participate in sex scenes or other intimate scenes. They handle everything from nudity to fight scenes, basically any kind of scene involving intimate physical touch. And I think this is, is great. And I don't know how long this profession has been around. I'm actually pretty curious because I think actors are people. Everyone has their different boundaries, mm -hmm. um, different histories, different traumas. And I, I know early Hollywood, they definitely didn't have this sort of consideration for people's bodies and, and how the way they feel, whether it's just getting <clears throat> nude on screen or, you know, coordinating a sex scene or even a fight scene or just... I. I mean, it's it's my understanding from what I've read online that it's anything that involves physical touch. So it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. It could be like a threatening scene, mm. you know, or just like a really intense scene where you have to touch. What do you guys think of this role? Oh, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. Absolutely. I also think it's like a good sign that it's, it's going to be sexy. <laughs> I did that was my first thought a lot yeah. of people's thoughts were yeah they're getting it on we're gonna get our MA rating right right and what does that mean and there's a mix of excitement and concern maybe it's just a lot of massages though we don't know that I mean it could just be it could it could literally just be for the fighting right like, or the bathtub yeah. scene when or the bathtub <laughs> scene yeah because <laughs> clearly a room full of like large copper pots with it's like true. attractive I men bathing away I hope there's full peen in that scene. Obviously, I took <laughs> the time to read yeah. it peen in peen. episode one or two. <laughs> yeah. I think it will be that Sayadeen and Sayadar are going to be represented by actual people. And they have to touch them. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Touching the true source. <laughs> I realized you were saying Sayadeen and I thought you were saying side peen. <laughs> <laughs> side peen. It's going to be a lot of side no, peen. We're not getting full frontal. <laughs> we're getting yeah. like a hard side peen. Side three peen. quarters view. <laughs> what, what would side peen be? Is that like a loincloth? Yeah, it's like cow. <laughs> not doing yeah. full frontal. You can get three quarters <laughs> view. A little bit of that. In my contract, yeah. you can get three yeah. quarters. Yes. Um, no, I think it's a good thing. Intimacy director, I think, is... A, I think it's a good move for productions to be taking in general. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also a good sign for the production in terms of maintaining the morale and health of the actors mm -hmm. um, during the production, but also indicating that um, there is enough TVMA material, potentially, mm -hmm. for there to be a call for a role like this. Right? Yeah. I just wanted to meet our intimacy directors and look at their background real quick because that might give us some indication of why they're there. So Yarrett Dorr, she's, she's worked in theater and she's worked in film. And I was just going to top line read what these intimacy directors have worked on most recently. Because it seems like there's a theme of sort of period pieces and in intimacy. So, well, not maybe not the first one. So she worked on adult material. Uh, a woman's life working in the adult film industry spans from its seedy beginnings to a highly successful enterprise. So... That makes me think she has very serious hands-on sex coordination, mm. probably pretty graphic. So maybe some of that could have been Will of Time. Mm -hmm. She also worked on The Nevers, an epic tale following a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities 
Relentless Enemies, and a Mission That Might Change the World. I want to watch this. <laughs> and The Spanish Princess, which I think people may have seen because the first season's out already. It's on Stars. Stars is kind of like a. What, it used they to do be Outlander. Cinemax, right? Cinemax. Oh, yeah, Cinemax yeah. Stars yeah. was sort of lumped in with them oh, really? back I didn't in know the day. That. Yeah, okay. I think so. They were, I feel like, the first network, besides HBO's like late night. Sure. television sure. to do more I know all about stuff. yeah but it's based on Catherine of Aragon wife of Henry VIII which I'm surprised because I've heard that was not a very sexy thing but no. she probably had affairs and stuff no way on Onric worked on Bridgerton sounds pretty British wealth lust and betrayal set in the backdrop of Regency era England seen through the eyes of the powerful Bridgerton family Starring Julie Andrews. <laughs> okay. Both of them, just to know, uh, started their careers doing fight coordinating and fight cho- uh, choreography and some stunts. So nice. I guess they have like a range. Like stunt coordination of, or doing yeah. stunts themselves? Um, I think they they both did some stunts, and but then they moved into coordinating. Nice. Yeah. Oh. It makes sense because sex is a lot like fighting and doing stunts. Yeah. It's true. If you're doing it right. I usually try and show. You're doing it right. Yeah, I usually try to do some stunts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Doing some tumbling. <laughs> Do you have an intimacy director? <laughs> I, hello. Um. <laughs> anyway, I do want to talk about how <laughs> Lauren's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about fans' reactions to thinking about sex in the show. I think the announcement of the intimacy coordinators and hints uh, from Dragon Mount, from Rafe, that this is going to be for a more mature audience uh, has them thinking. So let's see. I really hope they don't add in sex scenes for the main characters. I assume they mean the Amon's Field 5, just because of GOT's audience. The Two Rivers kids are so innocent. If they want more sex, give it to the extras and no names. Great direction, writing, shooting, acting will get better ratings than sex. Snarky Spice said 100% agree. I'd hate to see sex thrown in just for the purpose of sex. Snarky Spice also said, uh, at Randland TV, I'm curious what you guys predict for the way sex is going to be handled on the show. The characters are very bashful and old-fashioned. Will they make them more open um, to appeal to a newer generation? So I did kind of want to start our discussion focusing on the Amon's Fielders, the youths, and what you <clears throat> predict or want to see for each of their characters. Do you think it will change from what's in the book? You They're- know, in the first part of the book, when uh, Matt and Rand are walking and walking and walking forever to Camelin, <laughs> and they, like, interact with all the farmers, and there's that one, like, yeah, I wonder if that'll, like... It's Elsie, Elsa. It? Yeah. Elsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elsa Grinwald. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Actually. Oh, okay. It was, like, it was like, you know what? Like, they don't have to get kicked out just because Mad's acting shady. Like, they can get kicked out because, like, they were hot. getting it on. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I think I had the exact same thought. I think that moments like these are moments when we can see the Eamons Fielders. I don't necessarily want to see them coming out looking like, you know, Don Juan at the end of it, you know, or something right. like that. Yeah. But, like, but they could be a little more worldly. And, and because I think the show's definitely going to move much faster than the books do. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why their understanding of the world and all of its beautiful 
things mm -hmm. um, couldn't occur much much sooner as well. Yeah, I mean they grew up. Uh, look, guys, when you grow up around livestock, <laughs> you know about sex from a very early age because sure. you True. see it all the time. But you do. It's a part of your livelihood. But I, I think we get the sense, and I mean, Andrew, as a first-time reader, let me know what you think. I get the sense that the village is pretty strict. Just with the way women ha can't even braid their hair till a certain age, I think that indicates ah, like this is sort of off limits. Like we also know that Randon, Tam are bad farmer or bad bad sheep herders. So as you've told us, <laughs> they're really lazy. They, so they probably have like never seen sex eight, before. <laughs> they, only, they have the tiniest little like yeah. band of sheep. Do you think that we'll lose something if they don't have that kind of small town innocence at the beginning? I, I mean, know. there's a lot of things that can be innocent about being from a small town other than, like, not being sexy. Like, you just, you know, like, like all of the Emensfielders look the same. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think it's, like, what if they're just curious about sex? And yeah. then as they co sort of go into the larger world and grow... Or, like, this idea, because I think there's something kind of sad and innocent about this idea that Rand and Egwene have that they're sort of promised to each other. Because mm -hmm. it seems pretty clear to me that they're not going to end up together. I mean, at least I'm only so two far, books in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. I, tell me if you all agree, because my gut says that we're all in agreement that they shouldn't be sexually experienced when we meet Agreed. them. Agreed. Yeah, fields. no, I totally They yeah. should still have that. That innocence, I think they should be, they're well aware of sex, but they're just so um, accustomed to custom, mm. and they're like good kids. They're good not way to put out. it, I think, accustomed to custom. I think Matt has probably snogged a bunch of people. That's what I was thinking, um, too. Yeah. Like, I think Rand is just so awkward, and he's very removed in the Westwood. Mm. So other than a dance, him and Perrin. And Perrin's married, so of, clearly he's no, had he's sex. he's not married. <laughs> Perrin's married. Is it? Is Someone, it? I think, said the winter night happens on parents' wedding day. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like start the series with a red wedding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I kind of feel like one of the themes of the book so far to me, though, is that cultural mores and uh, is, are relative. So we do meet other cultures that mm -hmm. aren't as reserved about sex. Mm -hmm. The Aeol, yeah. the Shinarans who are in these baths together, like naked, which makes the Emensfielders blush. So, so like, if the whole world were really kind of reserved and prude, then I would be like, mm, I'm not into that. But having them be a little bit more reserved and innocent at the beginning or less experienced, I, th I think that would be okay. Yeah. Knowing that the world is big and there's a lot of other... Yeah, I think, I think you're so. right. I think it's a matter of culture and a matter of, it tells us about their culture and also tells us about them that they adhere to that, right? So, mm -hmm. um, the, the idea of their integrity as it relates to their own culture. Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, when fans are talking about it, they're lumping them all together, but sexual <laughs> identity and sexual growth is like very individual. And I think as soon as they leave Amon's field, while they may have this background, you know, their personalities come out that open them to new opportunities. And they'll all embrace them in different ways. So, sure, Rand and Elsa, maybe that's a thing. He's on a pretty shitty <laughs> trek to Camelin with yeah, Matt. Right? He's like a dick. I, mean, I don't know if they'd have sex, but maybe they kiss and stuff sure. or something. Similarly, people have speculated maybe Egwene and Aram yeah. have a bit more oh, like yeah. heavy-handed yeah. flirtation. And maybe yeah. it's not sex, but it's normal it for yeah. teenagers totally. or people... Uh, 
let's equate people in their 20s to like teenagers sure. of yeah. today but like some heavy petting or whatever right? yeah, yeah heavy petting yeah right let's go with that to bring it back to the 1950s i think uh <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back i think um i, I mean Colin i would agree that term all the time <laughs> guys you really got some good heavy petting last night all right yeah. so tinder <laughs> date <laughs> that's, I that's think uh, Pierre... my favorite app, actually. Is heavy, heavy petting. petting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think there's also room for for Piran to kind of maybe succumb to some of those dances that he's that he's watching, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think they're they all not all, but for the most part, they have opp- there are opportunities to kind of insert mm-hmm. these moments of becoming more worldly, you know, mm-hmm. in that respect. The only relationship I thought they might not tamper with is the land and Ave relationship. Right. Um, actually, Curly said, I think you can have a bold personality and be a bit prudish. Nynaeve definitely is. I think it's important to show their development as we see in the books. This will all come down to episodes and seasons. I hope the balance is right. So... I always think of Egwene as less sexual and Nynaeve as like very like guarded. Not and she is sort of pr- she is prudish, I'd say. Like yeah. when she meets the other cultures, she even if she's she bristles, curious yeah. about it, yeah, she yeah. bristles. A lot of braid tugging, just like, oh let hussy. Yeah. <laughs> like, even um, if she's even if she's inner, inwardly interested, mm-hmm. she's gonna at least say outwardly, outwardly be like it. Yeah. yeah, totally. I want a long smoldering romance between Lan and Nadiv. Me too, like a nice yeah. slow burn, like a Pam yeah. and Jim slow burn. I agree. I think yeah. I think that I'd that is that. the slow burn of the show. For sure. And that's why I think they're not going to tamper with that one. I hope. I hope that's. Because yeah. that's. I mean, that's the slow burn you want. It's like. Yeah, yeah, I do want that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Narg has been back at it behind the scenes. I think mm-hmm. he's avoiding Twitter, but other than that, he's pretty much in full swing. Mm-hmm. Nice. And he. They've been taken down since, but he posted um, some audition tapes that leaked mm-hmm. for Nynaeve. And it was, and I mean, they usually don't give you the real script, so who knows if right. this is real or not. But it was basically after Shatter Lagoth, I assume, it, this is speculation from what, from what I heard. I the think context of that. Yeah, yeah. is uh, after Shatter Lagoth, uh, Nynaeve finds Lan and Moraine in the woods, but Moraine is unconscious or unwell or something. Mm-hmm. So it's just her and Lan having like a pretty intense conversation. <laughs> and she's like, you know, like, where are they? And some fans were speculating that they're going to cut out Berlon so that the first time Nynaeve catches up to them is actually outside Eridol. That's nuts. I know. But what? a lot of people think Berlon's not a thing and that like Min is not in Berlon. I don't know. Okay. It's just an audition. Sure. Who knows? But it did make me think one of the questions I wanted to pose to you guys is, you know, uh, where are there opportunities for intimacy, whether it's sex or just like an intimate moment mm-hmm. that is not written in the books or is not like a scene existing in the books. Mm-hmm. So if we take the audition, things are unfolding differently. You know, Nynaeve finds Lan and Moraine mm-hmm. and she kind of has a whole banter with Moraine that's pretty tense versus a one-on-one with Lan. Right. We don't really get a one-on-one with Lan and Nynaeve. Till the end of the book. Till the end. Yeah. Yeah. Or do we even well, get it in the first book? I don't even know if we get There are it two the moments book. in the first book. Mm-hmm. There's one when she meets up. They do talk for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not front and center for either of them, obviously. Yeah. Like, you're kind of, like, watching through Rand's eyes. Right. I, they're not alone. No. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel like this could be a moment to build up the tension. Right. Not right. petting, but maybe there's some yeah. physical there's contact. Yeah. 
I can see Nynaeve just trying like, to like, remember, punch him. Uh, yeah, like punching punch a wall. Just like, like going at it. When they're saving um, Perrin and Egwene from Children of the Light and um, Nynaeve isn't there yet and like Moraine is like, uh-uh, like reel it in. Like Oh, because Nynaeve's getting the horses. Yeah. And, yeah. and Lan is just like, uh, uh, uh. And then <laughs> like Nynaeve finally like storms through and he grabs her arm. Mm. Mm. Oh, oh. Right. Intimacy director. Yeah. Intimacy <laughs> director. <laughs> and there's like that unspoken, yeah, yeah, you know, right, like right. pregnant moment between yeah. them. Do you think Min and Rand could be sort of sexy? Because she's sort of flirting with him. I thought about that too. Like I wonder. No. I feel like it's too early. No. No? I think it's too early for Rand. Okay. Personally. Yeah. And Min too. And Min. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's grappling with something else in that moment, I think. Yeah. I'm just saying she's telling his future. That's kind of sexy. You. I feel you. But I think that, like, for both of them, it's too much of a shock in that moment. I wanted to talk about uh, Lan for a second. There's a scene in The Great Hunt between Maureen and Lan when they're at Van Dien and Adelis's house. Like, uh, Maureen's doing research, mm-hmm. and that's when she first starts sort of taunting Lan mm-hmm. uh, because of his affection for Nynaeve. And I pulled this passage from Maureen's perspective. To her surprise, Maureen felt a flash of jealousy. She had never felt that before, certainly not for any of the women who had thrown their hearts at his feet or those who had shared his bed. Indeed, she had never thought of him as an object of jealousy, had never thought so of any man. She was married to her battle as he was married to his. And And so... so (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it made me think two things. One, that... I don't think Maureen should have a romantic interest or anything. I think she comes across in the books, you know, she's married to her battle. Mm. And I'd be fine for that. Like, I don't need any additional sex things going on with Maureen. But also... I wouldn't be so... I don't know. Rosamund Pike's hot. Like, don't you want to see her get... (laughs) (laughs) No, jeez. She's sexy. Yeah, but she doesn't need to take her clothes off for me to... Don't you want to see her with her clothes off, though? Oh, my God, Lauren. You sound... You've been hanging out with Andrew too much. (laughs) I'm just saying I wouldn't mind. I mean, I think there's something to be said for, like, having you every week on the edge of your seat wondering if Rain's going to take her clothes off. I don't... I don't really want her i'm not saying i want to i'm just saying that yeah. like lauren does so she's gonna be watching just to see if it happens as long as it's not i don't yeah. want to see her seduced i don't want to sure. see her being no i want i wouldn't mind seeing her. her as a seducer though like think... the, there you will see her you might see her naked i'm not gonna say it's a later sure. thing but yeah. not in a sexy way yeah but i wanted to highlight about lan um the women who had thrown their hearts at his feet or those who had shared his bed this is the first Land time fucks. we know that land fucks. Yeah. And so I I would kind of be curious if there are women that flirt with Lan or yeah. piss Nynaeve off. We don't really see any of that mm. in the books. Oh, yeah, but Lan is not asexual. Lan no, still Lan's fucks. No, Lan's very like, much a yeah. sexual being, yeah. yeah. He like, gets his Lan likes his calico. He yeah. Yeah. He's like 40 or something, right? Like I would just assume that's pretty standard he's getting it on i would hope so well, but, but also like warders. every time he has sex and a woman's like you're thinking about her he's well, like yeah yeah because yeah. uh, he, he has to <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah yeah i think another another scene i was thinking about you were discussing uh scenes that are not written in the books that might make room for it if they're if they're expanding logan's role then it's an opportunity to show the kind of things that might happen to someone who 
uh, puts themselves in that position or reveals themselves to have that type of power. Right. So that gives us an opportunity to to look at a male who is in their prime, mm-hmm. who is not tied to this this central thing, mm-hmm. um, and also expands the world. And it could be it could mean he him having sexy time with people or mm-hmm. like being in battles that we wouldn't necessarily see in the books. Yeah. Um. So it's an opportunity if they're expanding that role mm-hmm. to see that. I was actually thinking um, in terms of intimacy directors about Loghain, but more um, Loghain at the hands of the Reds. Sure. Um, I mean, I think that's another one. Sex, but it's also violence. Totally. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think that that, the expansion of that character is, it opens up a lot of, a lot of doors Mm -hmm. for the, how this world viscerally feels about men who can channel, like, Mm -hmm. and kind of providing that context. Yeah. One of the ones that I thought of that would combine both the combat and the intimacy for the intimacy director is land training Rand to sword fight. Because mm. uh, they, they have a few scenes where they're also for the ladies. They're, shir- mm-hmm. they're shirtless. They're learning oh, yeah. crane walks on them. Not just the ladies. But air yeah. or whatever for, for everyone. It's yeah. for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's sure. going to be great. Yeah. And this is kind of intimate, too. They have to trust each other not to kill each other with fake swords. Land sort of is like a father figure. Yeah. That's true. While we're on the subject of adding in scenes that are either intimate or intense, in the books, we don't get a scene between Dane and Jeffram mm. because Jeffram's death in book two, you know, is sort of important later on. Jeffram dies, and we know about Dane, and we know about Jeffram, but we yep. never see them together as right. father right. and son. And I think it would be great if... And if they, you know, have a scene together mm. and then go their separate ways so mm. that we understand that that, that relationship. That'd yeah. be really nice. I mean, I just said I don't want to see Marine being sexual, but like flashback wise or like small moments, maybe like when they're in Faldara, maybe there's. I would love of, to yeah. see like some sort of I would love to see the vestiges of mm-hmm. their perhaps intimate relationship mm-hmm. expressing themselves in their current relationship. Yeah. In the way that they look at each other, the way they touch yeah. each other, like. That would be really exciting. They don't have to be still be fucking, you know, but like to see that like that they know each other in that way. They right. know each other biblically, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be nice. This might be the right time to bring up something else that has come up uh, in the community, which is uh, just gayness in the wheel of time. But uh, particularly in this thread of conversation, uh, one dude said. Rafe needs to realize that the Wheel of Time is not Game of Thrones. Sex is not as prevalent in the Wheel of Time as it was on Game of Thrones. It looks like Rafe would like to allow people to have a headcanon of Rand being gay on the show. And, oh, I'm not even going to say the last part. But anyway, there was like a whole back and forth about Rafe will make Rand gay. This guy, first of all, this guy's like a known troll. Yeah, he's a known troll. He can get bent. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Rand is going to be gay, but uh, I did. it did make me think about, like, where are there opportunities for different types of relationships and homosexual relationships in the Wheel of Time? And the, right. it did spark some really positive conversation. What's his handle, Colin? The the only gay in the Wheel oh, of yeah. Land or something? <laughs> There's a new guy. Where's this new guy? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that, like, what's interesting, why are you looking for that? I think the only it, gay in the two rivers yeah. is the new Twitter friend. I think that there's... Um, Randland, not this podcast, but <laughs> the <laughs> land itself is, um, it, it's heteronormative in so much as most relationships we see are heterosexual relationships, right. but it's not heteronormative in so much as it's disparaging of anything else, mm-hmm. right? Like of other things that exist. Yeah. And so there is no, we don't see any homophobia or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And 
although we know that these characters exist. So it's, I think it's an opportunity then to kind of show the different take on how a society views sexuality, mm-hmm. which I think could be interesting. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't have, it doesn't have, we don't, I think like I was saying episodes ago, like we don't have to bring the same baggage that we have in our right. world into this world. Right, right, right. It can be a different Everything thing. Everything can be pretty fluid. Yeah. And we can still understand what the world is. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they expand upon mm-hmm. that and how they use those opportunities to show Yeah. That. So are there any existing scenes that reflect intimacy or romance that you look forward to seeing or that, you know, the intimacy directors could have a role in maybe amplifying it or dialing up the um, maturity? <laughs> um, I was thinking I, I'd really like to see the scene in Faldara where... Um, Rand has just learned that he's the Dragon Reborn, um, and he needs to uh, get ready and leave for the Great Hunt to go find the horn that was stolen. Meanwhile, Egwene is about to leave for the White Tower, and Rand goes running through the corridor to the women's quarters, which all the women are like, what are you doing? Stop, you crazy person. Um, And he demands that they get Egwene to go talk to him. And they walk together. And there's uh, sort of like a final exchange between him and her where he's starting to realize that they're not going to end up together. And I think this could be, you know, a pretty intimate moment between them. It's right. pretty emotional. And heartbreaking. Yeah, it is pretty emotional. And that's, I think that's a, it sets up a, a series of events that kind of like are prolonged over a couple of books, actually, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't get to see each other very often. Yeah. I also like the, the copper tub moment then in Berylin. <laughs> Was copper tub yeah. moment yeah. or like we could even have some like uh co-bathing moments it's true there's co, co- wait isn't there like we, I mean, co-bathing that, in faldara yeah yeah. Like yeah. That? yeah yeah right right yeah. we could have some co-bathing in faldara co-bathing that's one of my other favorite apps <laughs> you're not gonna co-bathe that's <laughs> your favorite app co-bathing yeah when i'm not on heavy petting i'm usually just swiping on co-bathing <laughs> oh my god all right, back in Valdara, in, in, in the halls. Mm-hmm. This is from Rand's POV. As he looked down at her, though, his laughter faded. I suppose I'll never see you again. I know you have to go to Tarvalin. I know that. And you'll become an Aes Sedai. I am done with Aes Sedai, Egwene. I won't be a puppet for them, not for Moraine or any of them. He looked so lost she wanted to put his head on her shoulder, and so stubborn she really did want to box his ears. Listen to me, you great ox. I'm going to be an Aes Sedai, and I'll find a way to help you. I will. The next time you see me, you will likely want to gentle me, he said. She looked around hastily. They were alone in the stretch of the hall. If you don't want your tongue, I will not be able to help you. Do you want everyone to know? Too many know already, he said. Anyway, I won't go on, but it could be sort of dialed up, I think. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about this, I think, uh, to some extent, but... I'm going to go back to Lan and Rand because I think it's sort of like a, you know, it's a fatherly or avuncular relationship, especially for someone like Rand who doesn't now know who his real father is and probably is needing some guidance in the world. Mm-hmm. But before he has to go see the Emerlin seat where Lan is sort of coaching him on how to act, I think that could be an intimate scene too because I think about it from Rand's perspective, he really doesn't know what he's walking into. Mm-hmm. He has no idea that she knows yeah, and sure. he knows that he could be gentled, right. which he knows is a terrible thing. Yeah. So he needs to be brave in this situation mm-hmm. and yeah. he needs someone to help him. So I think that's, you know, Lan lets his 
stoic facade down a little bit to be like, mm-hmm. you, this is how you face a situation like this. Yeah. Yeah. And we had read the scene where he helps her end get dressed mm-hmm. and then he wraps that uh, gold cord around his arm and is like, this will make them think. Yeah. That's a pretty intimate scene yeah. where he is helping him. What about Perrin? Perrin I feel like Elias? I... No. <laughs> I'm, I'm so against Colin's day matching. No, I, I think of Perrin... I, I don't want him to change in that he's also more conservative in the way Nynaeve is. Even, maybe even more. He's very, I don't know. Not if he's married. Stifled. I don't think he's married. I, want to see, I think he's going to enjoy those sexy tinker dances, though. I want to see that scene brought to Oh, yeah. I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, my the, gosh. The tinker when dances, the tinkers when, do their sexy dance. Yeah. Yes. Hearing people be like, look, I'm like, I'm with the traveling people. No one's going to mm-hmm. know. Like, I'm just going to go over here and like. Learn about the world really quick. Well, and a little calico. Egwene will learn about the word. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, and then the next morning they just look at each other and they're like, "We're not going to talk about this." And then, yeah. And then the rest of the story goes on. I still think there's a little bit of a parent Egwene. There's just a little hit of romance. I know everyone disagrees with me, but I think I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I want a medium amount of sex. Medium. That's a good. That's a good amount. Well, let's let's. It's a good concrete amount. Let's also touch base on sex outside of yeah. the cast that we know and the Eamonsfield Five. What about just sex in the world? Everyone talked who's about not the Eamonsfield Five is fucking, fucking constantly. all the time. Yeah. Because we have the White Tower. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see more sex. Yeah, like totally. The, absolutely. the Greens in the White Tower. Yeah, absolutely. We also have the White Cloaks who I always wonder, I mean, it's all men and they all live by this impossible standard of living and think they're better than everyone. Yeah. Um, it is mentioned that Dane sometimes likes to go to taverns and just blend in. Like, after a while, he says people forget that, you know, I'm a white cloak and mm. I can just enjoy being in a tavern. So they are real normal people. Yeah, right. So I kind of wonder, given their standards, like, how they get laid if everyone's a dark friend. <laughs> like, right? Uh, you know what I mean? It probably gets real intense. It's a lot of flagellation. And they're battling a lot. <laughs> Self-flagellation. Do you think I could see homosexual relationships among the children? Oh, absolutely. I thought that was implied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's how they're getting laid. Okay. Yeah. Quite frankly. So yeah. the white cloaks are gay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit That's of, headcanon, uh, Rodney <laughs> Steele. <laughs> of course, like, dark friend sex. Like, who are the dark friends fucking? Which, which shadow spawn? Pat and Fane. <laughs> what kind of snatch is Pat and Fane picking up on the, on, on the old road? Ew! Ew, ew, ew. I don't want to think about Pat and Fane getting pussy. That thirteen percent who wants to do it with that—that was such a weird number. I kind of hope the Red Aja are a little bit femdom. Personally, that might just be me, but yeah. Well, they hate—they hate men, but do they hate sex? That's the question. I don't think those things are necessarily the same, right? Obviously, no, exactly. Are they the super, the, the most lesbian? Right? Guy? Oh, I'd love, Maybe. I'd actually love that. Maybe. Like, they're yeah. so anti-man that they're just, like, only about the ladies. Yeah. Mm. I'd love that. Green Aja, there's a good opportunity for lots of sex. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, their whole, like, fucking... Their whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks to the only gay in the two rivers, there was a thread talking <laughs> about sexuality and homosexuality in the Wheel of Time. And someone responded with, in seventh grade, looking back, I now see why I wanted to live in the White Tower so badly. 
a, a lesbian woman, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the place to be. It's the place to be. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the training's hard, but worth it. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Last thought on intimacy: when they actually channel, to me, it feels pretty sensual. So I wonder if any of that will come across. Really? Yeah. I feel like channeling's got to be like riding your bike down a hill. I d- I never applied that word to it. Interesting. Sensual. It yeah, seems it like feels, it feels yeah. sensual to me for sure. It feels okay. both sensual. I mean, it feels like and being like super high on. on yeah, life, it feels. Sometimes it it reads more like being on a really great psychedelic, mm-hmm. and other times it reads like being on a really great psychedelic, but like really. Horny. Yeah, to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like it would be like riding yeah. the Hitachi wand for like an hour. You know, like you. You're like, I just Sounds don't want to release intense. right now. Yeah. I yeah. know I have to, but it feels so good. Yeah. And yeah. then you release and you're like, oh. <laughs> I think do it. I feel like I'm dead. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe I do. Yeah. But but I think the way that the the one power is described to the way they relate to it to sure. me feels almost like lust. It's right. like they don't, especially for Rand, because he knows it's hurting him. But it's almost like they don't want it. They don't necessarily, but they have. They the, want the men, to do. The I mean, I think, the, yeah, I think yeah. Rand does. But even for Egwene, like in this part I just read, yeah. where she's like. She she's a little bit afraid about how much she likes it, how much she likes. Well, it's being because right. you can draw too much, you can draw yeah. too and much. she yeah. did, her her threshold is untested because right. yeah. she's so new to it. Yeah. So. And yet she keeps doing it. It just feels a little bit lustful to me. It's sort of like you're right, you're yeah. right. I just hadn't thought of it with that language applied to it before. That's true, magic That's lust. Okay, what about? Uh, I was thinking about shadow spawn sex uh, because it is indicated. I went back and read that. Um, there are female Trollocs in the camp that yeah. are, like, only for breeding. Yeah. Which is Ew. weird that they're not for fighting. So I feel like if we see, we're going to see the cook pots. We're going to see, I, oh, God, I was thinking about how the camp must smell. It must smell so disgusting, yeah, all the different gross. animals. Oh. And just can you imagine the amount of poop, poop different oh. animal poop oh. everywhere? Like, thousands of Trollocs. That's, like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I don't know the uh, range of animal varieties that we have. I feel like but... it's going to be a lot of like, at least for me and like my imagination, it's a lot of livestock. Yeah. Mm. Like goats. So I think cow, all their pig, they have, like, birds, sheep. Too, right? Oh yeah, they do have like yeah falcon. Yeah. Fal- I really think we're going to see some trollic breeding if we see a trollic camp. I think so? I, I, yeah, I feel like that would knock it like, up. What to else Game would be happening in the fucking camp? Just yeah. like animal sex. Eating animal humans sounds. out of pots and like animal poop, yeah. animal sex and then sounds. we're all like gliding through. <laughs> Some forging, maybe. Yeah. Forging. Yeah, I think. What are the Mardrali? I don't souls. I don't, yeah, I don't. I feel no, like they don't eat. Jarkar. Do they eat? I feel like everything eats. It doesn't. It's a fucking oh, shadow it's spot. Isn't it? I know it's like. It's, I was like, it's faceless, but it's, faceless. it's not mouthless. It's not mouthless. Do you think? They talk. Right, what if, they if they it's don't... like really refined, like Hannibal Lecter palates? Like, yeah. Wait, so if they don't eat, then they don't have a butthole. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's tight. <laughs> so confused. <laughs> what's happening? Next time on Randland, <laughs> do draws have buttholes? How many holes does 
Madral have? <laughs> Does a Madral have ears? I'm just saying, Andrew, it might uh, knock the stakes down in your Madral or cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It does lower the stakes. I know where to put it. <laughs> yeah. I probably would have filtered that one out. Just an eyeless blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. It's weird to think about. Well, shout out to at Watch Ben on Twitter. He said, I think I speak for the entire Randy sector of the audience that we would settle for a sequel to the erotic lives of Shadow Spawn. So it's a wow. little taste. Um, yeah. I do. The erotic lives Hold on of your pants Spawn. for Merdral buttholes. Do you know how like Taylor Swift fans are called Swifties? Yeah. I would like if our fans are called Randys. Randys? <laughs> if I ever meet the dark one, I know what I'm going to ask. What? Are you a Randy? Do murderals have buttholes? <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. You can learn more about us at ranlandtv.com and follow us on social.